Lenny, are you going to be a good co-host? Good boy. Getting on a lunchtime walk, reinvigorating yourself. How I like to stay productive in the afternoons. Quite sunny here in London today. Got my sunglasses on for the first time in 2021, which is exciting. All right, welcome back to everyone out there in the universe. Uh, I'm Paul Seda. Uh, welcome to the Unilee podcast. The really good news is I was sitting on the couch last night uh, watching music, reinforcing my own self-loathing. I'm a big Radiohead fan. But I'm a creep. Uh, and going through the show notes in preparation, and I had a brainstorm that uh, we need to bring in someone to the podcast. Uh, Casey Farr is joining us, who, who's a member of the Unilee uh, marketing team, um, because we're going to be talking about internal communications and writing. So if you're, if you're a writer or you're responsible for editorial content, this is a podcast for you. And don't take it personal that I was listening to Creep by Radiohead. <laughs> When I came up with this, uh, it... I'm struggling not to. <laughs> no, you've called me a creep are. on multiple occasions. Um, so perhaps it's fitting that you would join us. But um, no, thank you for joining us, Casey. We, we, we went, again, literally this morning early, decided, well, Casey's got to be on it now. And we had to get her equipment to her via Uber. That's how important she is to everything. So emergency uh, Uber was sent with her gear so that she could join us. And um, she's also joined by, by Lenny the dog. So um, we got two for the price of one. Awesome. Uh, so on that note, I want to ask everyone, how has your week been uh, so far? Casey, you're new to the podcast. How's it going? Yeah, it's been a good week, actually, and it's been a, a probably an appropriate week to be tackling this topic because we just did a, um, a panel event yesterday for uh, internal comms in 2021. So I feel that I should be appropriately prepped to talk about the topic today. So yeah, it's been a really busy week, um, some really exciting things going on in the marketing department, and hopefully I can share some of those insights with you today. Awesome. Matt, you were on the internal comms webinar, am I right, or am I totally off base on that one? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I was lucky enough to be hosting the, the internal comms panel, um, and we had some, some really uh, great speakers, session went really well, so um, I certainly learned a lot um, from that session. Um, it was a really good one, really good one, great turnout, lots of engagement. And you gave a plug to the video podcast slash blog, which we appreciate. We're desperate for plugs. Of um, course, of so course. So please, in your private life, in your personal life, in your <laughs> business life, say everything you possibly can about this podcast because they're going to pull us off if we don't get more viewers. Hey, man. I'm joking. I'm, joking. I'm trying to get you up to your 12th subscriber, so. <laughs> yeah, no, number 12 would be huge for us. Huge, huge. So no that's doubt. great to hear. Um, Kaz, how about you? How was your week? It was good. I'd say uh, it was above average for lockdown. We've had some announcements of things starting to ease here. So uh, having a slightly more positive outlook. But yeah, I'd say above, av above average makes it measurable. So next time you ask me, <laughs> you'll know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah. Anytime there's an ease on restrictions in terms of movement, um, that's got to be nice. It's been beautiful here in New Jersey, just outside New York City. 
um, for the past couple days, and I am thoroughly enjoying some sunlight and being able to walk around the block even. Um, so I hear you on that. And finally, Caitlin, how was your week? It was good. Yeah, it was another fast week. I can't believe like how fast the year's going already. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm crying less and things are getting <laughs> sunnier. <laughs> Just kidding. No, it was a really great week, actually. Lots of good things happening. And uh, yeah, I'm always looking forward to Fridays now for our podcast. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, so the people watching this don't know it's Friday, so wait it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> you did it. Any, any day, you ended, right? No, that's, that's fine. So on that note, I want to hop into the topic. Um, we're talking about, well, we titled it consumer-grade internal comms, right? Um, and creating consumer-grade internal comms. But I, I want to caveat that and make make sure people understand that what we're really talking about is not the quality, because actually I think the quality of both internal and external is, is very high these days relative to maybe where it was a, a number of years ago. What we're talking about are maybe strategies um, that, you know, external uh, marketing has uh, perhaps influenced on the internal side. Um, and maybe we can talk about what's happening with um, external marketing and, and strategies and um, how people like Casey Wright um, and because we, we've seen that stuff sort of leak into the workplace. The, the, the biggest case in point is how many of our customers talk about rich media, right? They don't just want text on paper they want rich media. So we added video and audio to our platform because we were getting that constantly. And that is a direct result of rich media in the consumer facing on the consumer facing side really landing so well with people. So on that note, I'm actually curious because she is here for the first time and I love throwing people under the bus. Mm, <laughs> um, you have a very interesting role here at Unily. I'm a big fan of our marketing uh, team. You guys are outstanding. I've I felt for a long time it's been one of the things that's differentiated us. But I kind of want to understand your role and then maybe you talk about like what are some of the things that have evolved even at your time at Unily that mm -hmm. you may have come in doing one thing and, and changed to another. Yeah, sure. Well, my role at Unily, I'm comms manager, so I really look after any kind of written or now kind of non-written communications that we put out. But I think what's probably changed over the time or what we really are focused on at the moment is from what I find people want from communications is quick, digestible insights. They want to know, why am I reading this? Why is this valuable to me? And what are the highlight top points? So where in the past you might have seen a lot of long form content that you would really need to dig into and spend some time reading. A lot of the comms that we produce now tries to kind of wrap that up into bite-sized um, updates that are really digestible for people. And then from off the back of that, once we've kind of piqued people's interest with those bite-sized points, then they can then go on to maybe deep dive into some, some kind of, of our bigger guide content or a longer form blog. So I think one of the things that it's not necessarily changed, but it's definitely become a big part of our strategy is making information very quick to digest. And whether that's doing it in written form by picking out kind of the key highlights for, of, a, of a big piece of text, or whether that's using things like video imagery to convey those messages. I think that's something that we're seeing a lot more in internal comms and external comms. And that's something yeah. that we're really focused on doing. 
Yeah, and I and I want to throw to Matt to say, have you know, like like Casey's alluding to, and I think we all already know the answer to is, have you seen that trend extend from external marketing and communications to internal? Are customers going in that way with with shorter snippets, um, based on what you've seen? And and then again, you and Kaz are on the product marketing team. How do you enable that sort of thing from a product perspective? Yeah, I mean, a couple of really good questions. Um, actually, it's interesting um, in terms of the short form content. Um, actually, I guess back backtrack just a tiny bit. One of the things that we do, uh, you know, as part of the product team, is we interview customers to help ensure that what we're building um, for internal communicators is really serving their use cases and so and meeting their needs. That's actually, you know one of the really really cool parts of my job is that like actually you know i, I don't design in isolation i get to work with a team of, of peers like kaz and like other people like katie johnson for instance um and you know we get to desi design um technology collaboratively but more shout out that, katie yeah shout out katie i know i've told her yeah i said to her she's got to get on the podcast and you guys have to try and rope her in i, I really think she should do one too um but the, you know, beyond that, you know, I get to work with these like really talented, uh, you know, really talented internal people, um, you know, which helps to, you know, come out with the, the best possible outcome. But more than that, we work with the customers. And um, recently I was interviewing a uh, an internal comms manager um, working for a big uh, travel and, and tourism brand and, um they were talking about how the content they produce now is designed to be read in 30 seconds. So yeah. if they're reading the stories, because they have this really keen awareness that actually a lot of people are very time poor, um, you know, and this, I guess, you know, for those of you following the the podcast trends and topics, you know, we talked about productivity last week and, you know, you're measuring time and things like that. But um, I think there's a, a general feeling that people are time poor and, um, if you're expecting them to read these stories, you know, these cultural snippets or, you know, even these get these kind of insights or these kind of educational pieces. And um, we really need to make sure that they're designed to be consumed by, you know, everyone um, in the shortest amount of time possible, getting straight to the, the, the meat of it and, and kind of delivering those answers. So, yes, um, I've seen customers, uh, our customers, at least, and internal communicators expressing the need to deliver short bite-sized content and you know in terms of how we you know accommodate that in in technology or in the solutions we build we actually interview customers before we build anything to make sure that what we're going to build is is fit for purpose um you know the uh, the offline reading piece that we did the other day you know we kind of released the feature for taking your communications offline with you and uh, one of the things that that one of our clients said is well you know just taking one or two bits isn't yeah. as useful as being able to take lots of, of short snippets with you at once so you're able to engineer engineer the solution to support that sure and caitlin i'm wondering um are there any uh, uh cues you hear from customers in the sales process that let you know that rapid fire comms is is high on their priority list the one that i hear is i need publishing to be quick i need it to be simple 
um, presumably because they want to push it out faster. I, I don't know if you've heard any, if you yeah. hear anything like that regularly or something similar. Yeah. I mean, the, the content publishing experience that people have available for their content pub internal communication teams is critical. Like it has to be easy to use. It has to be, you have to push things out quickly. You have to be able to change things, edit things quickly. Um, even something, the constant use case that comes up is um, if we need to do a takeover because something really important is happening mm. or um, campaign content across all the, the different mediums and platforms available to people that they're using, like how can we do that quickly and easily? And then I think the other thing that's really important that comes up all the time is how can we measure the success of it? So we want to gauge like the tone that we're using with people. Is it being well received? Are we publishing things enough? Or, or so are we over communicating, under communicating? Um, how do people want to consume it? Uh, speaking to what Matt was talking about, um, are they reading bite-sized pieces of information offline? Or they prefer to see things in short, quick bite videos or articles? Um, how long are they spending on content? So as important as the the ease of use of the actual content creation experiences, the, the way to measure the success of it is also equally important. And Kaz, when you, you're, you're, you're with product now, but when you yeah. were a consultant, um, what were some of the strategies you told customers to, um, you know, use when they wanted to, to ensure that they were either writing consumable content? Cause that's how I think about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it consumable? Um, because one of my favorite jokes is how do you eat an elephant? Right? Like one bite at a time. I know it's a dad joke. I get that, <laughs> but it's kind of telling, right? Because I was I say, don't is know. that a joke or is it like, just it's an expression. You know what, Caitlin, you're very critical of me sometimes. <laughs> and I don't know. Uh, you're right. It's an expression. <laughs> I use it as a joke because I'm not very funny. Um, but the the we don't want to feed elephants to our employees right the same way you yeah. do we don't mm -hmm. want to feed elephants to our prospective customer so like what are some things that ring bells in terms of recommendations you've seen or or, or strategies you implemented when you were on the consulting side yeah so um i think that like it's again it's kind of different for every client but one thing i've tried to do especially when working with clients is tune into the outside trends that are going on and, and ultimately like if you look at some of the external communications and the marketing trends and things like that that happen um i've got three younger siblings who are quite a bit younger than me so i try to tune into the trends that that they're looking at and then try and interpret that to see how i can then kind of repackage that and use that with clients to boost up their communications and one thing is exactly about that kind of snippet um, bite size type of communications and I think one thing one particular um, conversation I had that sticks in my head was was actually someone that with someone that works in marketing called Amber Savile um, and uh, a couple of shout years out ago Amber. We, shout, shout out to Amber <laughs> lots of shout outs in this episode yeah <laughs> um, and a, a couple of years ago when we first met I remember having distinctly having a conversation where um, she said to me I'm really struggling to watch longer form films and TV mm. series because my attention span is all kind of on that YouTube, you know, that 30 minute, 40 minute, 50 minute type content that I'm engaging in. And I thought to myself, actually, yeah, you know, that's kind of true. I kind of see myself doing that same thing. And then not too long ago, maybe six months ago, we had a very similar conversation where it was, do you know, I'm really struggling to watch YouTube content because my mind is now adjusted to things like TikTok, <laughs> where oh, you've got really short form video, which are, you know, 10, 15 seconds. <laughs> um, 
So I think like, I agree with that point based on the short form content and bite-sized content, like putting that out there. Um, so when it comes to clients, I think that one of the trends we've seen, and, and we have invested in this from the product as well, is that whole video side of things. Um, so you know, we recently put out a, a release of uh, the ability to upload video and do it within social capabilities, for example. So if I'm speaking to a client and their question is, okay, how do we get our users to engage with our, get our users to engage with our content? Um, and you know, how do we how do we get the platform adopted? Things like this. Then uh, my answer would be try to think of uh, less traditional, out there ways of engaging people, um, which might include some short form videos created by leadership, for example, right. or taking snippets from people in the business and putting that on social. And we we've seen that work internally at Unly as well. Yeah. Um, we recently had some goodie bags sent out to employees as a kind of pick me up during lockdown. And I think one of the most popular pieces of content that did well was um, one by, by Alex Taylor. Another shout out there. Shout out, Alex. <laughs> oh, um, the unboxing. The unboxing. The, unboxing. the, the unboxing. infamous unboxing. Un the infamous unboxing video. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> so, so it, then, it, see, everyone knows it, right? Um, <laughs> That's right. So none, none of us work directly with Alex, but everyone knows that video because he did this kind of unboxing video where he opened his goodie bag and he spoke through every element of the of the goodie bag. And everyone yeah. loved it and it just got so much reaction. Um, and it, it goes to show that that sort of more visual but also short form content really is powerful. Yeah, and, I, and I'll talk, the great thing about that is that wasn't planned. The comms team, the marketing team didn't do it. That was spontaneous and it was so darn entertaining. First of all, Alex is really funny. Okay. Second of all, I didn't recognize most of the candies that uh, were in that bag because the UK has some weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> We'd say sweets, not candies. Sweets, see? There you go. Um, but again, that was like short form video that was spontaneous and entertaining. And a lot of people like, well, that's superfluous. Well, is it? Because number one, Alex built his brand internally, not only as a joker, but someone who's entertaining and someone that you kind of want to talk to, right? So as an employee, and I, by the way, I just criticized Caitlin yesterday about- I was just building. gonna call yeah. that out. Yesterday I got made fun of for yeah. talking about my personal I brand. Cause I, I, I use did. that term and I believe I you. people think it's cheesy. <laughs> I was just about to call you out. Good job. Uh, I, I'm look. I'm, if I'm if bullying I'm yourself else, I'm self before aware. being bullied. <laughs> That's right. Um, and it was like again, it drew eyes to the platform because everyone's like, "Did you see what Alex did?" And then I was like, "No, wait, I got to check." Right. So, um, even though it wasn't planned, it was short form. It was entertaining, and that you know those types of things can give maybe comms people ideas about what they can do mm -hmm. um, differently. Short form, not super formal. I mean. Like, look at the DIY nature of this video uh, podcast blog, right? Like, it's 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 literally DIY. Like, we're we're making it up as we go along. Speak for uh, yourself. I'm highly <laughs> polished over here. No, Matt, you're you're the consummate professional. And I got my glam team. <laughs> that I'm trying to expense. <laughs> that's right. That's that's what this was all about for Caitlin was the way to get her, her hair and makeup done and charge it back to the company. Um, but we're, we're going further and not only pushing this internally, we're pushing it externally, which I think is a sea change. I think that's a sea change in the way this stuff is produced and exposed. It's not going to be, 
it's it, it's like punk rock uh, content, right? Like if you think of that, like that. I'm, you know what? I'm I'm trademarking that and I'm running with it. If no one else has, but it's <laughs> punk rock DIY kind of um, do it uh, at the seat of your pants. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Casey because I want a little bit of a day. Or a week in the life of what it's like to work for the marketing team um, at Unily and the communications, right? Because you do you do editorial. You've been um, kind of the, the the person to to write some of the stuff I've done internally at times, um, which I'm really grateful for, uh, by the way. Um, but I'm curious, what are some of the things that you're engaged on week by week? The types of of channels you're going through? Because I'm really interested in that stuff. Yeah, I mean. The way that I try to um, explain to the team what our role is and, and, and how we should be spending our time is I try to think of us as internal journalists. So a lot of the mm. stuff that we write about is quite technical. It's very, um, it requires a lot of industry knowledge. It requires like a real understanding of how our the challenges our personas face. And then it requires us to go away and find insights that could help them solve those challenges. So a lot of our week is actually spent around the company in different business departments, talking to people, keeping in tune with kind of what the zeitgeist at the moment, what people are talking about, what kind of seems to be, what are the key topics that keep coming up in all of our conversations, collect up that information and then deliver it out on whatever channel we think is most appropriate to hit, to, to engage that persona. But it's really all about bringing value. We're really focused on, yeah, just really trying to dig dig deep into the topics that we know our personas care about and and spending our time asking those questions to the people that we have in the business that like you guys that are full of knowledge so that we can then disseminate that back out yeah they used to call that like content marketing in the sense that you're not just producing content right so it's a bit of a misnomer it needs to be more descriptive right but the idea is that the stuff you're producing gives people some value um, it's educational is the big one, right? Like, um, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of this because, frankly, in my role, and, and I think Caitlin's role, we have to go out, and, and actually Kaz and Matt, too, we have to do a lot of investigation of what's going on in the marketplace. What are the trends? And we rely on content marketers like Casey who are put, putting together these guides and stuff to kind of inform us. In fact, like, Matt, what are some of the, <laughs> and maybe I, we shouldn't name names about the 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 blogs and the people you go to but like how do you kind of find stuff when you're doing research I, I imagine what I'm saying is somewhat true at least in terms of you know using that publicly accessible content to, to kind of learn about the marketplace yeah absolutely I think um, you know the the vol the sheer volume of content that's available nowadays is is pretty staggering I actually think that <laughs> The hardest task isn't necessarily, you know, uh, finding content to inform you on a given topic, mm. but it's about, you know, finding, um, you know, trusted sources mm. and finding uh, channels, I guess, which speak to you and deliver it, uh, deliver the kind of information you're looking for in a way that really fits your own kind of, uh, your own kind of way of operating. So, um, you know, I quite like consuming short, concise kind of video content, as I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, so I think, you know, that's why I was really interested in, in you know, joining 
the podcast with you guys from time to time. I think it's a really great way to deliver to deliver interesting and useful messaging, you know, based mm. upon, you know, people's experiences and, and what they've got to, to share. Um, but, you know, there's, there's various, everyone, we talked about this before as well, but it's like everyone learns or everyone consumes in different ways, you know, where I maybe prefer to uh, sit down and, and watch short video content. There'll be other people who, for instance, start their day reading a couple of short form articles over breakfast. Right. And I think, you know, that's why, the variety, the variety of different types and formats of content that get delivered is, you know, almost as important as the uh, the content itself, catering for the different audiences. I know, for example, Casey, you know, we've partnered together on things like, um, it, you know, feature launches for our products, right, for our platform, and new feature rolls out, and in the same, you know as part of the same piece of messaging, we'll do a short article and you'll work with, with the team to kind of put together a short bite-sized video. So you'll have mm. explained the salient points of what this feature is, what you can expect, what your communication team are gonna get out of it. But at the same time, Casey's partnering with, with other people in her comms team to produce video content, which gives you the same journey, but in a different, uh, you know, a different way of digesting it. So, you know, we already kind of tailor our messaging in that way. and. Um, you know, that's why for me, it's about finding the format that fits best for you yeah. uh, or fits best for an audience, you know, just because there's so much content that's so readily available nowadays. Yeah. Kaz, what are some of the channels that you like to consume content from and, and specifically for how it educates you and supports you in, in your role? You know, we all know the usual suspects for, for recreational kind of consumption of content, right? The Netflixes of the world and, and mm -hmm. whatnot. But um, I, what Casey's trying to doing is in, is 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 inform people, right? So they can make educated decisions. Um, what what are some of the channels you you rely on for that sort of stuff? Yeah, so I, I again, I try to do a, a bit of a mix. Um, there's part of me, as I said last week, I can be a bit of a data geek, and there is a lot of information out there. So sometimes I try to chase back to the original source to find the original data without the spin on it. <laughs> Um, to like help make up my mind about something um, especially when it comes to our field as well um, what one thing we do internally actually most of the people on this call are quite involved in the process is we we run a masterclass series where we talk about in-depth topics related to uh, like employee engagement or digital workplaces or digital HQs um, and being able to create that content with people like Casey um, is something you want to make sure you get right because you speak to, you know, we go to, from, to different cities, so many different locations, different types of topics, and you want to make sure that that content is cutting-edge stuff, um, is well-researched, and that sort of stuff, It's there's a lot of noise out there, so it's really good. You chase back to kind of original sources to get the core information. And then, um, I, like, I worked quite closely with Casey on the um the culture session that we're delivering this year and the way i think that worked quite well was that you know we had our we had our sources and we had our opinions and then we came together and we kind of debated and sometimes like challenged and <laughs> argued <laughs> um and, and that's kind of how we got to what our opinion was was playing devil's advocate a little bit we do that a lot mm. internally matt and i do it as well um 
very much so. Well, maybe too much so. Um, That's why everyone gets angry at you both. Switzerland, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. So, um, yeah, go ahead. So, sorry, yeah. So I was just going to say, like, getting the, da- the data and then debating it. Um, but, but also, yeah, as you say, like, getting different channels. And also in our, in our sort of role where you have to be educating people on what the right thing to do with with a with a product is for example or making right decisions it's really important you get your fair share of practical experience as well so we try and continually talk to clients um i'm always a bit when it comes to technology i always try and like observe my like family members and my friends to see what behaviors they do (laughs) so i've got like a good mix of the the information the read up the data plus the what i'm observing and uh, making comment on so maybe caitlin and i are a little bit different because i think in our jobs we're actually and kate i won't speak for you because i'm actually curious about this um i want to know what channels you're going to to learn we have to get very in the weeds and the nitty-gritty and the nuts and bolts of technology and concepts around technology working for a software company <laughs> one of the funny things about it is you can only avoid the nuts and bolts for so long eventually the rubber is going to hit the road and you really have to understand concepts and things like that and i find there's certain vendors out there i won't name them yet i'll, I'll probably share uh, after caitlin speaks there's certain vendors in the marketplace who put out really high quality content so i'm curious caitlin what what have you put out that works for you and helps you stay informed and, and learn things yeah actually it's I'll try not to ramble because I have a lot of thoughts on that. But I, um, the I am most or best informed, I should say, by the internal conversations going on. So like we have a very, I'll say like, communicative culture. I think internally at, at our company, and so like internal social threads is where I'm consuming or kind of learning a lot and mm-hmm. relying on a lot. Um, almost like you could think about it as microblogging, where someone might share something on a on a on a highly visible social channel. Yeah. So, like, while it's important to me um, to get internal communications coming from like leadership about process updates, QBRs, um, team wins, client wins, things like that, the things that are helping me do my job um, best are where I'm like focusing from a channel perspective and where I'm consuming content the most. Right. Um, and I think that that's, it, it just made me think of it when I said, I'll try not to ramble, like uh, having conversations with customers about content strategy, internal communication strategies. And like, you know, we're not putting out enough. We don't think people want to hear more from us. We don't have time to do it. How do we, ex- how do we extend or create a strategy where we're putting out more content that's relevant to people? And then you start thinking about the concept of extending, you know, blogging to people mm-hmm. internally or, um, or the the micro blogging, like I mentioned, with the like social posts and stuff, um, or like mass kind of um, extended governance or looser governance on um, everybody having a voice and creating content. And then there's like the we have that funny story of the concerns around that, where it's like, well, right. what if people don't follow policy, um, like where we're giving them the voice, but then they're not following internal site policy, and it's like, well, then they're they have the consequence that you're fired. Right. <laughs> like, that's and, it. Maybe, and maybe the, it's a bad policy. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is also with internal communications, like your name is going to be attached to everything. There's audit trails on everything. I mean, like everywhere else on the internet too, and not just intranets. But 
Um, so people are held accountable to what they're putting out in the world. Um, and once you put it on the internet or the intranet, it's in ink. So, you know, I think, I mean, that's kind of off topic of what you asked for, but um, I think when I'm hearing from like-minded peers, it's that's a lot of the times most meaningful to me. Um, I think the internal com- comms about like uh, company updates and things like that, super important. Um, but I'm focusing most of my time through the day on the like peer content that's being yeah. pushed out. That's a that's a really fair point um, because one of the trends that we've seen and it's been ongoing for a number of years, but I think people are finally starting to get oh this is this has legs this is going to last is the information sharing and the communication isn't always necessarily going to be top down. Um, you know, there's a little bit of that bubbling up, like you're saying, like you're putting it out into the universe. Hey, has anyone seen this? Have you done that? And then there's all this information that's gleaned from people participating in a conversation. I don't think that's all that different from what external marketers are doing. I mean, Casey, we have a social strategy, right? Like what what's kind of in your mind, the philosophy around that um, and our social strategy um, as, as it relates externally. And by the way, I believe you're muted. So be very careful before you speak. I'm not muted. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, sorry. I was I had a really good point to make that I've now forgotten because of this muting debacle. Um, <laughs> God, Paul. Um, yeah, no, I ruin everything. I'm sorry. Okay, what were you saying? Uh, well, what I was at, no, sorry, what I was thinking was actually as you were talking about uh, kind of the user generated content type yes. thing, which then relates back to social. I think what we something we've seen in consumer trends and in, in the external outside of workspace is, and I hear it again and again, everybody's become a journalist, everybody's become a writer. Like it's mm. so easy for us to put our own comms out and have a voice in in the world, whatever topic it might be, whatever you know, arena it might be. And that's, that content is normally, I find a lot more engaging than the top down content that you might get. So I find it a lot more interesting to be reading things on Medium or something like that, where there's a mm. lot of user generated content and it's coming from an array of sources. It's something that you know, the article is something that somebody is passionate about. That's why they've written it. That's something that they're either well-educated on or they've got a real passion for. And you can feel that in the writing of it. So I think that's that's like an overall trend that then we see infiltrate comms as a whole. So that that kind of personality and that, that um, sense of like the voice of the writer then starts mm. to come through into into all the comms that we see in consumer and then we'll probably filter down into internal comms as well um so to actually answer your question which that didn't um, <laughs> <laughs> it was good though it was good keep going yeah, um what i what we try to do on social is really leverage a lot of that like our audience are experts in their own field so whenever we're posting anything out we want feedback from the people that we're engaging with we want to sometimes write controversial things that we yeah. know people are going to have an opinion on and want to engage with um so we're always really <laughs> looking to create that engagement um and linkedin is a great place to do that for us you know our audience is b2b so you know that's a great place for us to um 
kind of build that engagement and and kind of build a community, which is essentially what we're trying to do. We want a community and established audience that are interested in our topic, want to feed into the themes that we're talking about. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's what we're trying to do with social, and we're trying to kind of get our message out there on in as many mediums as we can. Something I was thinking about earlier when you were speaking was um, it's all about cutting through the noise. Like the volume of communications is basically the biggest challenge for internal and external communicators. You're always mm. looking for ways to cut through the noise, and one way of doing that is just to be everywhere have in-person events, have virtual events, be all over social, have a great website, do blogs, work with other people, other partners, do podcasts like this, so that you are have as many possible touch points to engage your audience as possible. So you're always present, and whenever your audience is ready to tap into that, you're there. Yeah. Mm. Caitlin, ask I had a question. I was laughing Caitlin because I was like asking at permission. The bit. Yep. Chomping <laughs> at the to ask a very controversial. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I have a question for Casey because I was thinking a lot as we're talking about this, how like the um, like the journey you go through with companies from a communications perspective, because the tone of voice I think that you have for external comms, so how you speak to your customers, your prospects on social media, and then the tone of voice you have internally sometimes can be very different. And a lot of companies, especially really large ones, like they'll have internal comms, executive comms, external comms, corp comms. And so there can be this variance of tone of voice. But what's interesting is when I like when I joined Unily, I actually joined and I think I've told um, our marketing team this before, but I joined because I was so impressed with our external marketing and communications. And I was like, this is a cool company. They have their stuff together. Like this is this is big time. So I was like, you know, I was confident in that. Whereas so that external website. You never said that before. I did. I remember actually when I first met you, and I was like, I'm going to tell her CMO like this. <laughs> but I was I was being genuine um, because it was I was like, this is great. And then I expected that for the internal communication stuff, too. And I think that sometimes that happens at a lot of companies. There's a challenge of the quality of the internal comms. You want to match it to the external comms and it's not quite there. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, like, if you have a thought on like, is that important? Um, to, to match those tones and like maybe how can internal comms match those like the consumer experiences and maybe mm. we've been talking about this the whole time and I've yeah no I, I no I think it's a good question you stole my thunder actually because oh, I was gonna sorry. ask wait sorry um I was actually gonna ask like is there a different voice to external communications and is there a different voice when it comes to external and, and internal right and it, if so is it appropriate do we need to have different voices? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. I actually think that Unily were really kind of actually at the forefront of some a movement that hadn't really started yet because I think we are really lucky in that our external voice is very personable. It's it's supposed to be it's supposed to be human. It's supposed to be something that you that people resonate with and interact with. So our style of external communications is not corporate. It's not staid and and kind of very highly polished. It's supposed to be like you're talking to a friend, a helpful friend that's gonna help you mm. solve your problems. So we're really lucky in that that's always been our style. So it means that I barely have to change my tone of voice. I have to think about I'm talking to a different person with different mm. needs 
but I can keep my tone of my human personality, my tone of voice kind of across all comms. And I think that's something that we're actually starting to see a lot of brands doing um, is have a more human tone externally. And then we're starting to see that internally, especially now with the remove to remote work, internal comms teams, I'm hearing again and again this focus on how can we make our communications human in a digital world? How can we make sure that our personality is coming through when we're communicating purely by, te you know, by, by text, by, um, by words? So yeah, I think I think we're in we're incredibly lucky to to be in a position where our external comms is already like that, and I think our internal comms is like that too. Um, so, I think, so but, yeah, does that answer your question? But and Matt, I was actually going to thirty. Is do you think yeah. that's all? Do you think that's always appropriate though? Is it mm. is it always appropriate to speak with that? Because I can tell you, Casey is highly inappropriate when I <laughs> and uh, yes, no sorry if no I stole your thunder, uh, yeah no no no, no, no. <laughs> but Matt like. Because because you just spoke about this on the webinar, in, in effect, right? Like, yeah. But is that always appropriate? And and maybe there isn't an answer, but I'm curious what you think. No, you know, I think um, actually, I think the the really good thing that like Casey drew out there as well, and you know, um, something that both myself and Casey have been looking at and and discussing a lot is the the massive amount of change that's going on in the field specifically of internal communications i actually think when we talk about you know uh, when we've been talking about communications today and we've talked a lot about you know uh, external voice and and kind of marketing personas or you know even just the voice of our brand you know and um casey of course has a lot of uh, a lot of expertise and kind of helped shape that and make sure that it's it's really delivered as part of each piece of content she produces i think internal comms now the opportunity that's arisen from the rise of remote work has been absolutely massive. And when we talk about things like, you know, the informal tone of voice and that level of, of authenticity that, that we strike for, I think the unily external voice is very authentic to how we behave internally and, and kind of reflects us, uh, you know, our culture. And I think, you know, internal comms has really been through a great period of change. And I think that that kind of more authentic tone of voice is is humanizing and is important and i think helps a lot of messages whether they be good or bad land in a slightly better way you know if you're delivering bad news I, you know i'd probably prefer to hear it from a person than from a robot right, right. maybe maybe Me, well <laughs> maybe depends how cool the robot is i guess but <laughs> uh, you know that's the thing like it's that authentic you know human element to internal communications which i think is really important especially when we're going through really trying times so yes in answer i do think that the the informal tone of voice is is a powerful thing yeah and and the thing i, I want to say another thing that's a hallmark um of our external external marketing is we put a face to our external marketing a lot like we talk about our employees and we talk about what they're we we try to showcase them and and put them forward so our webinars um our blogs we we try to have our employees contribute to that i'm sure casey would love us to do more um but i i do think there's some truth to that and kaz you've been 
an external facing, even though your job is, you're not a marketing person in the traditional sense, you're product marketing. Your job is really to think about like Matt, how we can, you know, enhance the product, change it, modify it, upgrade it, um, add to it so that customers continue to get value from it. That's not external marketing. And yet you're all over our social media, like, like a plague, <laughs> like, well, I didn't want to say it, but if you're going to say oh. it, like, no, I, I mean, what about that? Do you enjoy that? Um, yeah, do you know, it was something that I think I've evolved a lot on over time. I think when I started at Unily, it wasn't something that like came naturally and it's actually not something that I've done before. So it's not something I, I'm experienced in. Um, but I think that's kind of the point is that um, there is that trend of employee advocacy um, mm. and we, you're right, like, us on us on this podcast um you know we, we come from different teams different perspectives and i think that's something that is really powerful because i think uh compare well this is actually a trend in internal and external i think but compared to all those trends one thing we're seeing at the moment is we spoke about the authentic voice and being relatable um and that links to that related to employees because if i'm looking to you know, if, I, if I'm looking to uh, some, uh, sorry, Caitlin, earlier you said that um, you looked at the marketing content and that was something that roped you in. I think I, I'm guilty of the same thing. So what I'm looking for really is authenticity and kind of candid insights. And when you get this kind of polished frame, I guess there's value in that because it looks polished, but actually the, the, the deeper value is when you get insights from the people that make up that business. Um, so the people that are whether they're working on the product, whether they're actively working with clients, being able to kind of dip into the different insights that span the company is, I would say, more valuable than just the shine or the kind of polish that you get w w with typical external communications. Um, so, yeah, so that em employee advocacy trend is something, it is interesting because it is fairly new and I'd say it's rising. Um, yeah. And we've had some of those conversations internally is, how can employees have the the voice to share stuff externally and how is that presented? Yeah, Kate and I occasionally talk about this too. Like, because there's a wrong way to do employee advocacy, like where it just falls flat on its face. And it's, I think a lot of it has to do with the voice that you're putting putting out there. I mean, Kate, you're nodding and smiling. I'm, go ahead, say I'm whatever's on your mind. We're joking on the side about uh, something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We have we have a side conversation going, and, it and side conversation is, going. That's... it's literally like being back in school and passing notes and giggling. It is, and while you know, I always the teacher is at the front of the class. The, like yeah. teachers always said to my parents in conferences, like Caitlin's a great student, but like she distracts others. Like yeah. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. She's so, extremely distracting. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing that on the side. Um, you know what, actually, when you were talking about the importance of delivering bad news, too, um, I, w I won't say it because it's internal information, mm -hmm. like what it was, but like yesterday we were in a meeting and we were hearing something, some information that like wasn't great news, but the reason I, and it's internal comms, right, the reason I received it well and actually came out of that positive was because our leadership team was being transparent with us about something. And I appreciated that because they were committing to like living the values that we committed to. So there is a way to 
And because it was important information to share, they did it, you know, in a presentation on a call versus just publishing a news story about it with some mm. stats. So like that, that was that was the way to do something correct, where then employees appreciate the transparency that that you are communicating something, even if it's not always positive all the time. Yes. And that it's being delivered in the in a correct, meaningful way. So um, that just popped into my mind. And then I also forgot. Uh, um, I forgot what you well, asked the, me originally. The reason Kaylin is so distracted <laughs> is because Casey's dog, Lenny, in the background, who you've probably Lenny. seen at this point, is f***ing oh, no. uh, <laughs> while, while we're recording. Uh, and it's making no, no, everyone very uncomfortable. He's really embarrassed now. <laughs> he <laughs> he is. Look at him. He's like, oh, God. Oh, God. They he's have like, to I'll show it. myself out. Poor, poor, poor Lenny. Have a treat. That I think might he needs help. A treat. You know what, Lenny? Thank you for taking one for the team. Let me save this. Oh my gosh. Try and control yourself back then. Yes. Please do. Please do. But just getting back to the topic as Lenny continues to, you know, bombard poor Casey in that room. So Matt, what are what are some of the things customers are asking for or you're discovering in your research um, that that people want to see to help them kind of, you know, deliver messages in this omni-channel way to meet people appropriately, to make this stuff more effective? Because I think we've established the voice is critical. It's the delivery mechanism matters, mm-hmm. too. Um, what are some of the things they're, they're asking for? And then... Um, I may go to Caitlin and Kaz and say, who do you think some of our best customers are? Uh, by name or <laughs> pseudonymous. Just straight up, who's the best? <laughs> who's the best? Who's the where number one, right? No, well, you know, you don't have to, but who's it's like doing, not having a favorite child, but like we all really have <laughs> a favorite child. But we all have a favorite <laughs> child, of course. That's Unity why you only does have not once. endorse this messaging. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to save no, us all. <laughs> but Matt, what are, what are, oh God, this is going to get really <laughs> awkward if I have another child. Um, what, what are people asking for to help them do this sort of stuff? And, or what do you think enables them mm. to do this sort of stuff from, from, from actually now a feature perspective? What are some of the things? Mm. Well, you know, again, we were talking today about, you know, what we can learn from consumer consumer grade communication and how we bring that into the organization and what internal comms to do can do to um you know achieve uh you know similar levels of reach and effectiveness and engagement uh, you know really kind of um take any key learnings from that and i think the thing that uh, we've always seen from teams like casey's and you know other other comms teams outward comms teams um, is a great use of, of different digital formats. Um, so, you know, we're all here on a podcast right now. Um, hmm. Casey's team have been blogging for a long time. They actually vary across short and long form content. So we do white papers and guides and case studies, which are all longer reads. They write short case study, uh, sorry, uh, short blogs. Um, they also do video content. Um, they host live webinars. And so they're really, you know, I think, and that from a marketing perspective, I think has been, you know, somewhat of a standard for a long time, especially the digital aspect of it. And I think with the rise of remote working and the way that the pandemic has impacted organizations and everyone 
being naturally separated, the rise of digital for internal communications and relying on that as, you know, as a, a channel to reach your people has really obviously increased significantly, but the number of channels have increased significantly as well. So it's not just about it being digital, but all the various types of digital channels that are at play. Um, so when we look at our customer base and we talk about phrases like go to where they are, you know, well, I, I really believe it. Um, I really believe it's a critical element in internal communications. So we look to deliver communications tools and, and I think organizations should be looking for communication tools that are not siloed within the single tool or, or solution that they purchase or build, but can touch across the multiple different channels that people interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. You never know when your potential target audience are going to have that one, two minutes in their day. And if you're not where they are, then you're not going to get the engagement. You're not going to deliver the critical messages that you really need to or want to. So, you know, it's not just about having an intranet to deliver internal comms articles, but it's, you know, this team works in, in you know, the, the this department always works in Microsoft Teams for 90% of their day. And over here, we've got these guys, they're always in Slack, you know, that's where they're doing loads of work. And these guys are always using Salesforce chatter. Mm. And it's about how do I make sure that message lands in all those different places? Um, even if the content doesn't live there, I can reach my audience there. And I think, you know, that's a key learning that as internal communicators we can take from marketing because I think they've been very good at syndicating one blog or one piece of content across right. social media, across all these different channels and really have embraced the model of go to where they are. And internal comms now, I think, especially with remote work, are really starting to, to seize that opportunity. Uh, you know, people are, they're probably getting the highest engagement with their comms ever. And I think that's such a powerful opportunity for internal communicators to lead internal discourse about change, culture, and a broad range of other, other topics. That's brilliant because I think Matt just confirmed Salesforce chatter integration coming to the <laughs> platform. That's what I took from that. Uh, Matt, you're on the hook for it. Um, so. Q2. You heard it here first. I'll you heard it here first. Later. I'm never coming back. Exclusive news. <laughs> um, brilliant. So, okay. Uh, just quickly, what are um, some great customer examples of, of either customers or strategies to do the omni-channel well that um, come to mind? Because I, I want some concrete stuff here. Um, what have we seen? And again, if you need to change their name... Um, so, for example, if Munily, uh, a fictitious <laughs> company, was doing something very well, uh, please say so. But don't. Call I think I can. Either. I think I can comfortably name a couple clients who would be, <clears throat> who are like, pretty vocal on our behalf as it is. Like, I think when I think about Micron, who has a super buttoned-up oh, yeah. comm strategy, um, and I have a friend actually who works on executive communications internally, and it mirrors closely. I think they're internal external stuff too but um micron selenies does a really great job and i think two of the things that they have in common are that they have clearly documented content strategies mm. and the, i think our customers sometimes who who struggle with um with their their content management and maybe engagement metrics are those that don't have a clearly defined and published and easy to access governance strategy and tone of voice too. Like, what is our tone of voice? So I know, like, 
Micron has, um, and, and a lot of our, I've noticed with our large enterprise clients do this too. They have very, very strict criteria of what makes a good homepage piece of content. Because everybody thinks their content's important. Um, and in fact, another client, like large retail, I won't name them since we don't have permission, but <laughs> um, had a, a, also a strict homepage. Like everybody wants to get promoted to home, but yeah. like, what's the criteria for that? Because everybody thinks, like nobody wants to be told they have an ugly baby. So, but like some people have an ugly baby. So. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Strike that from no, the all record. Babies are, yeah, yeah, don't, just delete, don't include that. That's me. Yeah, no, uh, I'll, I'll let <laughs> but, you guys but, jump in again. But but, but you know what? Yeah. The, the, the controversy of stuff on the homepage is something that's as old as time, as old as print. You know, I want my thing. And it's highly political. And I think guidelines go a long way towards you know, effectively focusing that controversy into something that's more productive. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's guidelines and it's audits too. And I, I mentioned I, this was a thing I, I teased everyone about right before, which isn't that like I, one of one of my colleagues I met with this week is doing a whole content strategy session as with his accounts that he works with on the customer success side. And while that's not technically part of our customer success, like program you know he wants to include that for his clients because it's important to them and one of the things that he's sharing with them is is an audit strategy too which is so important like mm. we talk about that a lot when we're talking to clients who are migrating yeah. off other platforms what do we decide to pick and what do we leave behind when we're moving our house but like yeah. you should be regularly auditing your content to do a check on yourself are we staying on message is the tone right Who's owning what? What's what are the engagement metrics? What needs to get retired? You know, so I think that's also equally important and something Case, that clients who have a good strategy do. Yeah, Casey, what are examples that you like? Um, well, even though, even though you're on the external facing side, you get to work with our customers probably as much as those of us who have been on the consulting side. So. Yeah, and I kind of see the kind of polished finished effect usually, which yeah. is good. Um, well, I did a little bit of background research when I found out this morning that I was appearing on this podcast. <laughs> so, so five whole minutes of research. So Excellent. I managed one of Excellent. us to five minutes in, yeah. Excellent. Um, Excellent. And I was actually, I spoke to somebody else that works on the comms team that, that works on a lot of our um, client awards. And I, because she works on a lot of awards, she has a lot of good stories about Shut really up, Nicole. Things. Shout out, Nicole, definitely. <laughs> um, so yeah, she, she sees a lot of kind of the most interesting things that our clients are doing, the most innovative things, because those are the things we want to put in for awards. And she was talking to me about one of our clients, and they have a really interesting internal comms approach um, because, well, the things I think that are most interesting about it is that it's always very fresh. So they're always trying out new kind of interesting techniques. And I think that freshness is a brilliant way to engage people. If it's something that you haven't seen before, you're automatically interested in what it is. Um, and the other thing that they do really well is understanding their audience. They do a lot of listening, finding out what their audience want from internal comms and then responding to that. So a couple of examples of things that I thought were really interesting that they'd done. Um, so they have an initiative called Love's Ladder, which is a content series. And the idea is that it shows, uh, it spotlights different employees around the business that have risen from uh, frontline levels. So working kind of in the truck stops um, on like a kind of from a retail capacity and then have moved up within the business. Um, 
So they have a series of articles showing that, and I think that that serves a really nice cultural purpose. Um, you can you you start to put a face to the employees around the company, which is a is a great thing. But also you can show that progression, which I think for them and for a lot of retail businesses, turnover, staff turnover is a big thing, um, mm. and that's that can be costly. So what Loves have done with this series is tried to confront that a little bit and show that actually you can progress from these positions right up to higher senior leader kind of corporate positions and that that inspires people right so that serves a really good cultural purpose on top of that they then have um a custom search which is called ask loves and they um so employees can type in anything from benefits to you know what what are what benefits um have, have i got access to what um when 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 how do I check my holiday allowance whatever they can type that in and then they'll get targeted responses and that feature came directly off of the back of um, feedback from their audience to say I'm finding it difficult to find this information so they went away they developed this this search function that allows them to do that and in doing that they're showing their employees we're listening we're responding and now you can be more productive as well so that was a really interesting one. And the final one for Loves, because I think this one's really nice, <clears throat> is um, they've put a real focus on employee recognition, which is, I think, something that a lot of internal comms team, a lot of businesses are doing at the moment. As we become more dispersed, it gets harder to recognize employees' kind of day-to-day -day achievements. You know, you, ca you can't give a little high five, you can't shout over the desk, oh, nice one, mate, you've done a really good job on that. So we have to make more of a concerted effort to recognize employees now and Loves have done a great job of this because um, they have got quite creative with the type of badges that you can award through their platform. So they've created some custom badges. I'm going to read out some of them here. So they've got random acts of love. So that one. Ooh, is, random um, acts of love. That's like a good that. one. It's nice. Yeah. So that's obviously just, you know, um, when you've helped out a colleague or you've done something special, you know, that's kind of a nice cultural one celebrating you know, people that have done little acts of kindness. Um, wow moments. So those are there for um, anybody that's really demonstrated the values of the company and, and kind of gone above and beyond. Again, that kind of reinforces in people's mind that that is something that will be recognized and appreciated. Um, culture champions, again, people that have really, um, you know, held true to the values of the company or, or done something to really drive culture. And then my favorite of them all is Top Banana. And Top Banana <laughs> is awarded once a year. So there's only, there's limited supply, which obviously makes it more special. And once a year, a Top Banana badge goes to somebody, one person in the company that's, um, you know, performed really well and in whatever it might be, done something really outstanding. And that, that will then sit on their profile for the rest of the time they're at the company. So, um, oh, and the other interesting thing they've done <laughs> to really spotlight uh, that recognition is they've created a, a custom feed that's on the homepage and it just pop populates with the latest badges that have been awarded. So it puts that recognition piece front and center when people come on the homepage, they're, they're seeing people around the business are being recognized. This is what they're being recognized for. And that's the culture and values that I want to emulate in my role. So I think they've, they've done a great job. I didn't believe you when you said you had done some research. Uh, that was impressive. 
that was five impressive. minutes before Lo- the call. That was- <laughs> Love's travel stops and country store uh, should be thanking you for all of that, Casey. And that case study impressive. coming out soon. Nicole's working on it right now. So uh, shameless, plug. <laughs> shameless plug. Much better She's than my research. She's in marketing after all. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt, you had one. What, what, what was it? Mm. So actually, the interesting thing is that my one is the actually the same uh brand that i was talking about before in travel and tourism and i think um what i really like about their approach to uh to internal communications is they really do embrace um both the need to take their communications directly to to where their users are but they also have a lot of frontline workers who you know, operate in, in hard to reach areas and they're embracing a, a true multi-channel comms strategy um, with content which is really tailored to the needs of their of their people in as much as we talked about people being time poor and that we also kind of, there's this expectation sometimes that you're going to read those internal comms articles during your working day. And so they make sure that all their reads are short to the point and really tailored to the audience reading them. Um, They focus on cutting through the noise and delivering feeds of information which are tailored to the individual based upon the role they have around the business. Um, You know, they're trying to cover, you know, not just modern digital comms channels or what we'd consider more modern digital comms channels like an employee experience platform or intranet as the home of internal comms but they're not afraid to reach people by email for example i know over years yeah. we talked about you know email as this like kind of almost like a, a dirty word it's like you know or you know email so so traditional so old school but actually everyone's still using it right yeah. i use it every day to communicate with my you know my peers with other people in my team um so on and so forth so um you know they're they're really embracing all the different channels that they know their audience is using and they 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 monitor that they, they kind of check that engagement and that that kind of click-through rate from all their different channels so they can prove the efficacy of what they're doing they're really focused on making sure that you know and it's not to prove numbers for themselves but to prove that they're doing their job they're, they're getting people the information they need mm. you know and that's like a really cool story i think yeah it is kaz what about you what about and i, I love putting kaz on the spot because he immediately <laughs> smiles and goes i'm gonna pull after this um what's an example that that comes to mind of someone maybe doing it right the so we've heard a lot about some really cool out there examples um, but one company that I think nails the kind of foundation right is is Shell. And obviously a big name like Shell, you think, okay, well, loads of employees, global company. And I think they really, as Matt was saying with his example, what they get really, what they do really well is nail down their, their targeting. So they invest heavily on understanding the segments of their organization. So the regions down to the departments, the roles, um, and they create specific target audiences. I, I guess that's quite common in, in more external communications as well, right? So you you target based on uh, industry or you target based on um, like role. So they, similar to external comms, they've invested heavily in defining all their targeting groups, their segments of employees to make sure that the right communications get to the right people. Um, and it 
they do it through various different ways but my, my favorite way they they do it is through their intranet and they have this kind of news feed page and it's designed a little bit like uh bbc i know it's more of a, a british news reference but i, I quite no like no the BBC. We, we watch okay. bbc yeah. okay cool that's good, <laughs> good it's to a hear reputable because... news source for exactly, us exactly yeah yeah uh, depending on yeah um so <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i won't say anything i won't say anything further but but what bbc do well is that they they clearly label the news you're consuming. So, you know, this is your local news. This is your world news. Um, this is your kind of personalised news. Or, or And Shell kind of mirror that a little bit. It's very transparent to say, you know, this is your targeted news. So that news I'm consuming there is based on my particular role or department or location. Beneath that, they've got their, you know, this is your corporate news. And it's great from an employee perspective because it's like, oh, I know exactly what I'm consuming now. It's transparent about what I'm consuming, but it it gives them the option to say, okay, here's different types of news. Uh, and I quite like that because it is like a, a proper news hub, almost like an external news website. And that's what I like about it. It's quite transparent with the news you're consuming. And I think because they've invested so heavily in defining their targeting segments, it means that they can create the right news, push them to the right people in the right place, and that that actually, in amongst that, you get like a nice shiny news hub as well. So that's the example that comes to mind. So you you can have loads of cool flashy stuff, but the foundation of your news as well, and how you get that news out is, is super important, which I think Shell do amazingly yeah. well. My favorite thing about Shell, I was in Las Vegas with David, who was the the, the lead. Um, over there and the sponsor internally there and he talked about how speaking with you know speaking to the to the notion of a voice um, they wanted to do more short snappy videos they wanted to do and and I think their rule of thumb was if it goes over two minutes you got to throw it out and they were doing this with leadership and he said he drove home the point we got a couple of like used iPhones um, and we use those for video and it was good enough and it was good enough because, yeah, the quality is good enough, but also we could do production a lot quicker and get it out faster. And then it became less about how pretty something is and more about, wow, I'm getting these things so frequently and it's informing me and it's engaging and it doesn't eat up tons of my time. I want more of that. So that lesson, that was the lesson from Shell. That's when the rich media thing really hit me because I, I was one who was like, oh boy, everyone talks about it, but how are they going to do it internally? And when David shared that story, it went, oh, that's how you do it. So so there you go. Thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you to the, those of you who joined us out, out in the universe. We're really grateful. And um, we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Oh, you're wearing your United 19 top, Paul. I know. Oh, I meant to make a joke about that, and I forgot. There you go. Lenny? <laughs> oh, good boy. Good boy. I think that's a bit high. No, that mine's a bit low. Mine's a bit low. I am the merry model of a...